Psychosocial development, what is it and how is it relevant to rugby league players? A report released earlier this year, written for New Zealand Rugby League, looks at the psychosocial aspect of talent development in rugby league. The report is called Te Taha Hinengaro and lead author Dr. Sierra Kyung, a lecturer at AUT University in Auckland, uh, joins me now in studio. Kia ora and thank you so much for your time this morning, Sierra. Morena, Brian. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Very good. Shall we uh, dive right in then? Uh, what... Explain to us, firstly, what psychosocial development is, please. Yeah, that's just a fancy word for saying, um, looking at how people deal with uh, adversity or challenges uh, and what those attributes are to help them overcome or cope with challenges. That's really all it is, just a fancy word for that. Now, with the report, Te Hine Ngaro, uh, Te Taha Hine Ngaro report, mm-hmm. can you share with us uh, main areas of focus in the report? Yeah, sure. So, um, like you said, it was written for New Zealand Rugby League, so they offered me a scholarship to do some research um, looking at ways in which they could enhance their current development pathways in rugby league here in New Zealand. So we looked specifically at the off-field development, um, Anyone that knows talent development, they look for a physical profile, so your height, strength, weight, speed, agility, that's important to be successful on the field. Um, Being able to pass, kick, tackle, that's important to be successful on the field, and also your game sense play. Um, So we know that, but what we don't know are what are those characteristics or those attributes that make sense for Māori and Pacifica in the rugby league space. How can we develop that off-field so that they can be successful on-field? So that was the premise of... Uh, this research to figure out what works um, for long-term success on the field as far as those attributes, what are key. So success, attitude, resilience, those type of things that you always hear coaches and identifiers, uh, uh, selectors, sorry, talk about as being key to being successful on the field. Very nice. How did you d- uh, conduct the report and in terms of the uh, the, the study group yep. that you were focusing on? Yeah, sure. So we did, um, I had two groups, focus groups, and we just had five Talanoa sessions over one over one season. So I met with four under-18s players that are in the system and five under-20s players that um, are also in the system, New Zealand Rugby League system. And we just, Talanoa, um, I wanted them to tell me what do, what attributes are key to long-term success and what does that look like for them from their perspective as a Māori and or Pacifica. What were some of the main findings of the reports here? Yeah, so, you know, they they told me that the attributes were the same as what's already what research has told us, right? Attitude, sacrifice, resilience, dedication, brotherhood, preparation. Those were all key to long-term success and definitely success for them where they were at on the pathway. But what we also found, because this had a cultural framework that um, guided our, our, our study... What we also found that it was actually a, a key piece missing, um, and for them, before they could even understand or identify attitude, resilience, and brotherhood, there was a foundation of that they needed to develop a trusting relationship with whoever in that pathway space, and what type of energy did that relationship bring to the table? So, if there was no relationship built on trust, and if there was a funny energy, then they wouldn't believe anything that came out of those people's mouths that were in control of their pathway and their development. 
Uh, for you, what was the the seed that uh, led to the report and you know the the process of putting the report together? Yeah, well, uh, really, it's the fact that I wanted our people, uh, Maori and Pacifica, to have their voice be heard within the world that we come from, the way that we see things, the way we do things and the way we are, that we be as Māori and Pacifica because there's too much research out there that's driven by the Western way of seeing, doing and being. So I really wanted the young men that participated in my study to have a voice and have an opportunity to influence processes and pathways in the high, in the high performance sports system um, that works for them as opposed to us having to fit the system. Mm-hmm some of the main challenges or main challenge for the focus groups especially for those that are looking to attain the higher you know higher levels of achievement within the sport mm-hmm. some of the challenges uh, look it's the same across the board um, right the 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 perceived pressure that they have to fulfill family obligation yeah you know, a lot of people get into high performance sport or wanting to become a professional rugby league player because they want to give back to their family that's an awesome motivation to have but that pressure is also a pressure for them right and so if they fail then they felt like they've failed their family and their community so that's a challenge for them to try and balance that conversation how do they have that conversation with their family so I think that's a lot of it a lot of it is how do they um, having the confidence to approach coach and ask what can I do better um because they don't, we don't, as Māori and Pacifica, we don't go and um, confront people and ask for those um, insights and advice and, the, and answers to those questions. So it's probably, culturally speaking, the ability to have confidence to communicate and ask questions so that they can improve, going directly to the source as opposed to asking everyone else around mm. them. The thoughts of the focus groups, the participants, in terms of the the current support uh, network structures that they have around them, and, and sufficient for them. Mm. Well, I will say rugby league um, is a bit of a trailblazer in this space. They have, as a result of the suicides that happened, what five six years back in twenty twelve, they had a spate of suicides in the under twenties grade um, at the NRL level. So, as a result of that, that the NRL has um, blazed a bit of a trail in high-performance sports whereby they have different people, welfare education officers, support people in place to help support um, our young athletes coming through the process. Um, but obviously we can do better, right? So I think we need to start the conversation earlier and bring in the families earlier and have everyone on the same page about the realities of engaging on a high-performance sport pathway what that looks like um, the reality is it would be ideal for the young athlete to have you know chicken and you know the right carbs and the right protein but the reality is in a family you get what you're given right the reality the ideal space for a, a young boy on the pathway is to have his own room so they can get adequate sleep the reality is that's not going to happen in home so how do we have a conversation where the families are in place where we can better support these young men to navigate those challenges in this high performance space because we do want them to succeed and in the bigger scheme of things really you only get three to four years the average career is three to four years in the NRL space so how do you they've worked on it on this pathway since they were 12 to about 22 23 now what? So how can we help them? For me, it's about how can we help them transfer those skills and that knowledge into another space after sports. 
how much did finance come up in terms of conversations, especially when I'm assuming for for many of the participants, you know, lower socioeconomic, and then looking at you know hundreds and thousands of dollars, you know, for contracts every year. Yeah, you know, we didn't actually get into that all too yeah. much because they're still in the junior yeah. junior grades. So that's um, that would have been a conversation I would have anticipated coming up probably after the under twenties bracket. Um, at this point in the under 18s and under 20 space they're just trying to crack the first grade eh? yeah. so um, that was really what the conversations were about losing my mouth guard and the impact that had on me playing so I got dropped because my routine was all mucked up you know a girlfriend the the challenges of having a girlfriend that doesn't understand um, challenges of having um, to pay money for funerals or weddings you know when my family needs it those kind of challenges going to school do I go to school and take the exam those were the challenges that they talked about and how do they balance that with being on the pathway successfully. One thing I read with regards to the report, which I found very interesting, in the form of letters that mm. were addressed uh, to the players from like older siblings and that. How did that come about? Oh, you know, I just wanted to find a creative way where the boys, the young men, sorry, could voice their opinions without... Um, giving away who was saying what um, and so it was while it was from the perspective of one voice it was a collective voice and so the context were real context we did have one participant whose father had passed away um, and we know in our world that the dead are still very real to us and so having that conversation um, was important for me to capture the spiritual aspect of of our world um, and so it was just a creative way to try and get the voices through and try and bring the emotions that came with the voice as well. In terms of culture, how important was it for the, the focus groups in their you know, de- development, especially off-field and mm. all the different spheres that they operate in? You know, I think what this did validate for me was that our young men or our young athletes need a space to talk and they need to be able to be- feel comfortable. Mm. And the way that we talk is over food, right? Um, and so... From the first focus group to the last focus group, there was a huge shift that I saw in them being confident that actually I was here to listen to them and I valued their their opinions and thoughts and that they were going to be valued and contribute to greater things for the community coming behind them. And so with the report now finished, what happens from here? Yeah, so I'm involved in a whole bunch of other research now, um, especially uh, for our Māori and Pacifica. So um, as far as the report itself, I'm working on things to try and um, improve the way we do things, especially at AUT with our student-athletes. Still doing some things with New Zealand Rugby League, and I'm also involved in some projects around Pacifica leadership and sport governance for New Zealand Rugby and concussion management. um, Processes for New Zealand Rugby. So there's a whole bunch of things that I'm involved in now, but I'm in all those spaces, I'm just making sure that I'm looking at things for Māori and Pacifica that best work for us. Mm.